you. Or now. About to witness. The awesome crushing um, <laughs> might of the Eugene S. Robinson show Stop As you well can figure, Kier's not sleeping yet. We start the show. Version number a two, four, two, front two, four, two. Great industrial band of a bygone age. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. We have a lot to talk about today. But first, I'm Bob Riley Singerson, as he has every single week since 2007. Incidentally, the same day, same year that the fight book came out, suggest you buy it as a Christmas gift for all and sundry. The CD that this comes from is called Calling of the Just. Still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California. Where they shoot you to death in the nightclub, hit your car with a hammer, and run your mayor pro, town, pro tem out of town on a rail. Buy it if you so desire to hear the rest of the CD. Song is called Intro All of Nothing. Listen, listen well. Could not see so clear, but I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back in full, always nothing. All right, my friend, which is incidentally what you have to pay to get this show. Really, Mr. Robinson? Well, not really. It's on an as-needed basis. If you need, feel free to donate to the show. We love donations. However, the mat the manner and manner and way in which you can donate has dwindled down to a Venmo, uh, which is Eugene-Robinson-28. I believe that is correct. Or Cash App, which is Planet Oxbo, P-L-A-N-E-T, capital P, uh, capital O X B O W. Uh, I won't take it through the mail like in the old days. I don't trust PayPal anymore. And uh, what can I tell you? I'm trying to decommission the mailbox so that there's no mail there for when I leave this toilet bowl and uh, and depart for you know uh, foreign climbs. So there are limited ways. Or you could go to patreon.com slash the stomper and you could just set it and forget it. Somebody told me something mindful some of you actually listen to me which is really nice somebody listened and said i think i heard eugene say that if we have a decline in listener viewership that uh you know i said almost kind of sort of never ends could end gotta lighten the load at some point go in go out somebody you know not gonna nothing is forever I'm not lying. I just sometimes say stuff that doesn't come true. And in this instance, what I'm saying is, you know, I do a tally. If this is desired, fine. If it's not desired, I'll pick up my balls and go home. And the guy said, he tipped me to something. He goes, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. The counter on the show on YouTube is not an indication. I never listen to the YouTube version of the show. I always listen through Spotify. And some other guy was like, yeah, I also listen through uh, Apple Music. I forget it goes out other ways, and I'm not doing a full and total accounting. Perhaps I should get throw a few dollars Finley Beaton's way and have him do uh, – I, I have no idea. I just look at the tally on YouTube, and I was like, hey, fuck you guys. But I'm not – June is killing it. I'm not mindful of you know all these other ways we could do it. But that's not why we're here. 
We're not here to talk about cash. Well, that's kind of why we're here. But we're not here to talk. Damn it, I'm thirsty. Not here to talk about cash. But we're here to talk about something else. Oh, let me let me bring you to where we are right now. Well, outside of me being stinking dirty here straight from jujitsu and the show being early. I know that some of you who don't like when I consume fluids on the show. And uh, you can go straight to hell. How about that? So um, I want to read something to you. And let's just start out the show with a little a little viewer mail and uh and or or you know listener mail I, you know what a fan mail from some flounder come on with this fan mail from some flounder you that you might enjoy um and i'm gonna read it to you i'm gonna read it to you without editing um <clears throat> here you go and you can look from cat's name right there i don't know if it's backwards to you edward mcelroy and if some of you have read the uh the substack you know where i'm gonna go with this but let's go there anyway Hey, dipshit. Did Kamalot, uh, I'm guessing here he means Kamala Harris, did Kamalot blow you so you'd say that nonsense about her being a good president? The only thing she's good at is happy endings. You're an ass. Sent December 14th at 2.57 p.m. I write back, understanding completely that this fellow is a uh, believes that I am Eugene H. Robinson, Pulitzer Prize winner, I write back, gargle my fucking nuts, you dirty piece of shit. I hate her too, and I'm a Democrat, but you, you fuckface, have the wrong journalist. I was feeling a little peckish that day. ha! that's the best you got, and you call yourself a journalist. Your mom says, hey, ha! and I say, give me your address. And I'll drop off a healthy load of more for you. And my mom is dead, so strike two. My mom is not dead. <laughs> You're a funny little thing. Now, we're like hours into this exchange. Clearly, this is an alternative dating site for this fellow. And I got nothing but time. I write back, nothing little about the thing your wife has been helping me with. Ask her. She'll tell you. You're cracking me up, fruit cup. You must suck as much as a journalist, in quotes, as you do in life. Your dead mother must have been so embarrassed by how much of a failure you are. You should kill yourself. And then he blocks me. So I go to another site because I've got multiple ones to get a hold of the guy. And like, you know, I remember the heyday of the Internet where in actual fact I had been known to show up at your house. Nobody ever let me in. Nobody ever let me in. But I do have recorded images of like, hey, it's me. The man's from the internet. You want to come down for a second? I just want to continue our conversation. My fingers were getting tired. Hate Street. <laughs> I give you the guy's address now. What was I expecting? What was I expecting? Dharma gates are endless. Oh, Eugene, you're such a badass. No, I'm not trying to be a badass. You know, Travis Bickle looks across the table and goes, there's no reality to any of this. I'm not entirely sure that that's true or not true, but the reality for me is, you know, uh, doors are open. Or like Clips says, keys open doors, keys open doors, keys open doors. You know, I don't talk to strangers unless I want to talk to strangers. So... There's this heated thing every time Eugene H. Robinson writes a, an opinion piece or appears on TV. Now, listen, my history with the man is Jack Black-esque. When I'm editor-in-chief of Code Magazine, he's about eight years older than me. I see this. I said, hey, I was how old back then? 40? Guy's 48. We're both journalists. I go, what a cool thing to be if we did a column or a piece Eugene Robinson or Eugene Robinson. It would be a great way for me to interview a high-achieving uh, African-American. At that point, we had Ed Bradley on from 60 Minutes on the cover. It's not like, you know, I wanted to do it. I used to go to the National Association of Black Journalists to be uh, George Curry, to be insulted by George Curry face-to-face. He's dead now. I don't mourn his death because I'm a petty, angry man. So 
I write Eugene H. Robinson and say, hey, you should appear on the show. It'd be great. We could do Eugene Robinson and Eugene Robinson. I hear nothing from the guy. You know, for me, it's like prison style. I'm talking to you. I don't get the courtesy of a response. I might think that you think that I'm not worth one. Worthy or worth one. Worthy of or worthy. Might get kind of, I got kind of cranky. And then I started to look at it from, I started to, pull out in a Google sky view. And I said, look, this guy, I'm 40. This guy is almost 50 in the height of his shit. I don't think, I think this is before he earned, earned the Pulitzer prize. And the last thing he needs is some guy to come along also black with the same name. Who's doing a sex column called ask huge. That's the last thing you need to insult your game. And then in 2007, seven years later, I'm publishing the fight book and it's like, look, you know, there's an artist named Nick Cave, not the singer Nick Cave. There's an African American artist named Nick Cave, and that he's like, fuck it, I'm Nick Cave. Sorry, it probably benefits him. I don't know if they've mutually acknowledged each other. I don't know. It doesn't change the fact that a guy who does fine art is very different from a singer, sort of, kind of. There's no reasonable market confusion necessarily. You're not going to go see a Nick Cave concert at the Guggenheim. Or you might, but you know what I mean. So I, I understand. Uh, um, you know, I understand that the guy gives me the high hand. And then I start, I do, I do uh, the barbershop on NPR. I appear on there with the fight book 2007 with Farai Chidea. We interview me about the fight book. And then I appear on a bunch of affiliates interviews. And, and so like, it's a thing. And then I start, I realize I'm getting checks. I don't, I thought, yeah, I did the barbershop. I got a check for that. I did it four or five times, got four or five checks. I did that. But I, now I've gotten like six or seven. Oh, shit. They're sending me dudes checks. So I said, well, okay. He gave me the high hand on the, on the, uh, on the, look, you know, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll just re- do. I'm not going to keep cashing the guy's checks. I think I checked one, cash one by accident. I'll let him know. Say, hey, man, they keep sending me your checks. What do you want me to do? Nothing. For those listening on SoundCloud, I'm tilting my head and giving you the raised eyebrow now. Now we're talking money. You give me the high hand over some other shit and article, that I understand. You don't, you give me the high hand on money, you're asking to be robbed. So I write a see second time, and he's like, oh, well, just uh, contact my office and have them handle it. <laughs> I was like, you know what, bro? It's only $100 a pop. Uh, I don't work for you. So uh, if they send me the checks with my name on it, I'm cashing them. Good luck to you. I don't say that, but that is the reality. So fortunately, he must have thought about it, and he dealt with it on his side. I no longer get his checks. It's fine. It's fine. But every time he writes an article, I get this kind of a fusillade of angry emails, which I'm glad, you know, Boyd Rice used to call himself an obscene phone answerer. He'd get a wrong number. He would never let a wrong wrong number go to waste. He would say, hold up. You want to talk to Jim? Hold on. (laughs) You know, Jim's really angry about you. It's that thing that you said. And just, just why? Because he wanted to see the world burn. I like to joke. Just fucking shit up. So I'll write guys back. I'll keep it up. But you understand, I understand that there's no reality to any of this. And usually what happens with these exchanges is that the guy, remember when I did the thing, the piece about Gavin McInnes and him being a piece of shit and so one of his dudes wrote me from Belgium. I was like, ah, bro, you got to come to the, you know, back and forth. And, uh, you know, you remember when the accused anal rapist, uh, uh, Connor McNuggets, members from the straight blast fight team were writing me and threatening to kick my ass and inviting me I said, hey, honest to God, next time Oxbow's in Dublin, I'll be glad to come in and train with you guys. And I, guys I trained with like, ah, it's not such a good idea. I was like, what? They're going to kill me? Well, there are lots of things short of killing you that they could do. What, anally rape me? Well, yeah, they could, you know, they could break an arm or anally rape you. And I go, do you think that's going to change my angle of attack? Why would it? Why? Now, I'm not like that guy who's like, oh, oh, there's a war between Iran and Iraq. Or there's a, there's a go. And I'm going to go to, I'm going to go, oh, uh, who is that? Islamic Brotherhood, whatever. 
I'm going to, I'm doing business. I'm just a civilian and guys, I'm Daniel Pearl and end up in a fucking basement on your knees in an orange jumpsuit. I'm not talking about that. Those guys, you know, there's a belief in the transformative powers of violence, uh, a political belief in the transformative powers of violence. And those people effectively achieve their ends. They effectively achieve their ends because their ends are very modest. They want fewer of you. They kill more, they get fewer. Perfect. It's a perfect system. It's not a long-term solution to political governance because it breeds unstable societies, but as a short-term solution, it works. In fact, I mentioned in the Substack that the, uh, the person who was questioning me was cautious. She's like, Oh, you say that violence doesn't work? You don't believe you yourself don't believe in transformative violence? If that's the claim you're making, I saw you knock that guy out in Brussels. So explain that. I said that was very narrow cast. I asked the guy prior to, is it your desire that I strike you? The guy said, do what you got to do. I struck him. I didn't expect anything outside of that exchange. My desire was to have him stop interrupting the show. And he stopped interrupting the show. Simple. Case closed. You know, uh, uh, objection sustained, overruled. Is this is very different from the failure of a philosophical argument, which seems to me to amount to you're a Nazi, you're not a Nazi, I'm not a Nazi, you're a Nazi. Between Mike Jackson and Jake Shields, Jake Shields, um, I don't have to go too far to the historical record would indicate known associate, guy I've rolled with before. used to go to his house to watch the fights. Yeah, I'm aware of the fact that he's been out on the political fringe doing crazy stuff that I'm not that 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 I'm not politically aligned with, but uh I don't have to co-sign on anything that my associates friends co-sign. I got friends in jail for murder. Don't sign on to that. You do you, whatever. It's not my business, but this this kerfuffle with Mike Jackson it's ridiculous. If I were Mike Jackson, I wouldn't have, you know, well, you, you got slapped in the face. It hurts. You're a fighter. Take the slaps in the face. I would have started singing somewhere over the rainbow or singing in the rain or some other show tune of my youth. And, and let Jake slap me as hard as he wants, because if you think it's changing my mind, it's not. If you think it's what I'm going to change online, it's not. If you think it's a, it's anything other than you know a, 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 an attention grab for the press or headlines and some some you know upvotes, to what end? It's putting you know what a real measure of anything in my mind as sung in on the Oxbow record uh, songs for the French is what was the line? Love is dead and cash is king. That is a measure. And I made the claim this morning: Jiu-Jitsu cash is isn't taxes. I said are, are an abstraction because cash is an abstraction. But since we commonly, collectively hold it to be true, I'm glad to get as much of that abstraction as possible. It doesn't change the fact that Jake Shields sitting on my chest, slapping me in the face, doesn't advance the cause of anything. No point. Do you, look, there's a story, a great Alfred Hitchcock story that you've heard me talk about before. He used to do these books called Alfred Hitchcock Presents. And this one book is called For All the Root, one story. He would get stories of the macabre. And there was one story called um, uh, uh, For All the Rude People. The guy's going to commit suicide. He goes out to a bridge to kill himself. It's on the fringes of town. There's a, like a carnival there. And he watches the, the carnival ticket taker insult a guy in front of his kids because he has the wrong day for the tickets. He tears up the tickets and throws them in his face. He's like, what kind of person does this when you see the guy stand there with his kids? Well, clearly it wouldn't have been that big of a deal if he came the next day or today. What do you... So he goes down and starts talking to the guy, the ticket taker. The guy goes, this is none of your fucking business. What do you care? And then he just says, how old are you? And the guy goes, not that it's your business. I got to tell you anything. I'm 37. And he goes, too bad you won't live to be 40. And he pulls out the gun he was going to use to shoot himself. And he shoots a ticket taker, dead. He's like, ah, this is really going to jam me up. Well, look, 
I don't want people wondering why this guy died or not. I'll leave a note and then I'll go kill myself. He leaves a note on the body and he goes to the top of the bridge. He kills himself. But now he's so tired from the emotional exhaustion involved in shooting the guy. He goes, fuck it. I'll kill myself tomorrow. I'm going to go home. He goes home, has a night, fitful night of sleep. He's about to go to the bridge to kill himself. And the newspaper, he sees in the newspaper, it's a big story now. The guy gets it. And it's a big story, not because a guy got shot, because they live in New York City. People get shot all the time. It's a big story because the note he left. And he was like, this is interesting. I need to, I need to, uh, I need to digest this a bit. Digest. Right. I'm hungry. So he goes and gets something to eat. And he goes to a, you know, a, a diner and uh, somebody is being rude to one of the waitresses. And he's like, this is kind of fucked up. I just, you know, follows the guy out to his car and, you know, shoots a guy in the car, goes home. Is, he leaves a note and he's like, I, I think I got a thing here. And he just starts shooting because these are people that exert an unnecessary burden on the rest of us. They, 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 it's a levied, un, it's completely unnecessary. It just, it's just nicer to be nice. It's easier to be nice. Or like Frank Sinatra said, you keep the party polite. Those of you choosing not to do so are those who are choosing to walk across the room to be pieces of shit, just to darken someone else's day because you're a miserable, unhappy fuck. So what he's trying to do is write a balance, level some fucking karma. And what happens is other people pick up on it and they start killing rude people. And then there's an excess, much like with uh, Clockwork Orange, there's an excess of politeness, but it's not real politeness. It's fear-based politeness. People go, oh, sorry, would you like this parking spot? Everybody is because they don't want to get shot. Now, I don't I don't recall how the story ends. Ultimately, the guy decides not to kill himself. That much I remember. And that's where, and that actually story was instructive during my most dire, dark, depressing days, which I now figure was directly attributed to brain injuries I, I suffered playing rugby when I thought I was like, I got to kill myself. And then I was like, yeah, you know what? There are a lot of people who deserve to die more than I do. And that jogged me out of my depressive kind of downward cycling funk. So the point is, <clears throat> sorry. <clears throat> had some cheese last night so the point is <clears throat> that all of this oh you fuck around find out words have consequences and you, you know there is it it works it, it it's very nuanced and very sublime the guy who's interrupting my show in brussels who i asked subsequently asked is it your desire i want you to be quiet is it your desire that i strike you I'm making some causal connection between him being quiet and him being struck because I know that people who have been struck often at that point are quiet because they're unconscious. But I'm not trying to win a philosophical argument of any kind. That's pointless. I'm not out to change hearts or minds. I'm just out for a little bit of quiet. I'm not out to teach a larger lesson in life. I just want to finish my job. That's very different from, um, you know, I got these guys are known associates of 209. Oh, you talk shit about me on the internet and then they get slapped at a press conference or in the street or what. You know, I fully support slapping Dylan Dennis on site. That's another story. Just because why not? He seems to enjoy it. So, um, but with everybody else, you're, there's, there's no, nothing is being achieved here. In fact, the fact that we spend so much time talking about it is a clear indication that nothing is being achieved. Our talking about it is achieving nothing. We're changing no minds. We're making no money. We're not doing anything. But if you're not changing minds and you're not making money, what are you doing? You are wasting time. You are fucking wasting time. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't want to get an argument with the Dylan Dennis slap thing. I'm quite sure of that. So, uh, but then I start to think, wasting time. What is, what, is the, what does that mean? Flash to Joe, Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. Well, well, what are you saying? You wasted time. What is there time to waste? The skin suit that you've been given before you dissolve back into the soup of consciousness. Well, you got something more important to do? Yeah, bro. 
Oh yeah, I got I got to watch Cannoneer and Strickland. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I I have to I have to consider the Doug Crosby kerfuffle that's been eating up my week. <laughs> Doug Crosby kerfuffle. And they're like, now well, we're gonna set some rules in place that judges can't they they, they can't have two fights with them. Why don't you just do with Doug Crosby what you did with Cecil Peoples when it got, oh, I'm the oopsie. I don't exert any control over. And then suddenly Cecil Peoples is gone. Listen, I know a guy who's a judge. I'm not going to mention his name. Now, I didn't know he was a judge. So clearly he's not a judge at a major fight organization whose name you would have heard if I tell you. And we had a perfectly convivial, normal relationship. And then I realized he was a judge. I was like, oh, shit. I didn't, how did you get to be? And he told me the process. But in describing the process, I felt, our, I, was, I felt very directly like I was witnessing the change in our relationship. Before the conversation was over, and it didn't last longer than three minutes, I could see the fact that I had asked and the fact that he was... A, it imbued him with a sense of superiority that wasn't there before I asked. And then anything I said afterward to kind of level his karma on that account was like, look, bro, it's just the regional MMA thing. This is not that I, I'm a big enough man where let, let the dude have his moment. Those of you listening on SoundCloud, I just rolled my eyes. Let him have his moment. Uh, SoundCloud and the guy said Spotify. So I'd have to do an act to go back to my earlier point. I have to do an accounting of all of the, the, the all of the ways that you can enjoy or embrace a show that I haven't previously been encountering and doing a survey of how many people listen and whether or not this is a useful uh, expenditure of my time. Again, time. So, um, so I, you know, Crosby is now, you know, uh, he is he is in the he is in the deathly. Uh, deathly uh, Cecil People's zone. You can't justify a 50-45 thing when the other two judges call it for the other guy. There is, you are vision questing, you are taking mushrooms, or you are watching another fight entirely for that kind of score, and you should be called on to explain yourself because we are our own best referees, and if you're losing your mind, we need to be, we're the first line of defense. We're paying attention to what you're doing, maybe more so than the people that you live with. Like, in other words, what I'm saying is Crosby, I don't think you're okay. Yeah, I know the rumors about you feeding Chael all his, his Chael shtick stuff. That's fine. The reality of it is, I don't think you're okay. Not with these scores. And and I've also heard different different team captains say, yeah, I met with Crosby and I felt like the guy was giving us the high hand, like he didn't. So you know who travels? Who travels with Crosby? If the if a minor conversation I had with a minor judge in a minor organization in in the course of three minutes resulted in a set a a, 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 a a relationship distorted in superiority, you got to imagine if Crosby cause, considers his fellow travel, travelers are fertitas or and or the bald one, that he might have a baseline of contempt for fighters. What do you, what do you, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. You don't tell me, I tell you. No, no, you serve as far as I'm concerned at the, at the behest of the people putting their lives and brains on the line. Those are the fighters and you should have to explain. You should have to explain the, you know, uh, 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 you know, Patty, Patty, uh, 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 what a sucklet that you should, you should have to explain what, what that score was about. You should, and you should be happy to. But thanks to Patty Sucklet, we now have a a, a new um, entry into the into the Show Stomper glossary. And if. He's an if. And keep in mind, they're good ifs and they're bad ifs. The fight we saw this weekend showed us a good if. That good if is Sean Strickland. The bad if, uh, well, the bad if would be Pimlet, Sucklet, and undecided would be Sean O'Malley as an if. If stands for influencer fighter. Strickland is more of a fighter than he is an influencer. But his 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 
appeal is his appeal is really clear and it's clearly derived from his personality. The guy is imminently watchable. His press conference takes are imminently fucking compelling. He's fundamentally a fight nerd. And he has an outsider's perspective uh, that reeks of, I don't give a shit, which is really nice and refreshing. It, it's what Trump rode to the presidency. Or like the Clip Boys, the Indiana hardcore band from 1983 used to say, sing, we won't play the game. We won't. A friend of mine walks in and, and he goes, who are those guys? And he goes, I don't know. But uh, the other guy goes, but uh, they don't play the game. So a good if, Sean Strickland. Undecided if, O'Malley. O'Malley sent tweets to, to Sucklet saying like, hey, bro, you didn't win that fight. So Hudo wins the week for the blast. Yeah, Sean O'Malley says, go make a burrito. He says, hey, I'll make a burrito and I'll give it to Jan and the judges can give it to you. It's nice. Nice, nice. Yes, it is early today. And uh, Sucklet is the worst kind, is the worst kind of imp, uh, uh, if. Influencer fighter, because he's denying the reality of experience, which is, I won that fight. If there was a wink and a nod in your, if you played the cynical opportunist angle and there's a wink and a nod to you, that, yeah, I won that fight. <laughs> I won that fight. You know, I won that fight, right? <laughs> I won that fight. I'd, I'd be all over it because it, that that underscores that there's no reality to any of this. But he's hurt, and he believes, like, why is everybody suddenly hating me all the time? Because you're an asshole true believer, and you know you didn't win that fight. You're making common cause with the enemy vis-a-vis, in this instance, a Doug Crosby who needs to never judge another fight again. If you're going to ban James Cross from the arenas, ban this guy because he's bad for betting. He's seriously bad for betting. And if betting is the undercurrent driver of economics in, in the UFC and mixed martial arts, you got to know. Yeah, it's musical chairs. Chris Lee Chris Lee is a, is a piece of shit as well. But sometimes you get caught out. If, if you and a buddy fart at the same time, <laughs> you might get away with it for years. Now, turning our attention to an apex if in Sean Strickland. Ah, there you go. What's the weather like in the UK? Yeah, my buddy just left here. I, I had two guys, two Londoners. Well, actually, one's a, from Belfast, but he lives in London. And the other cat it was from London, Scottish, though, and they just left. And I was like, did they leave to a cool? It was 34 degrees. I don't know what that is in Celsius this morning, two degrees above freezing in uh, California. Fortunately, none of my shit, see all my my gardening stuff doesn't. None of it seems to be dead yet. Um. So Sean Strickland and somebody said it best. He said you can't be talking like a tiger and fighting like a cat. He does not so much that he's fighting like a cat. He wasn't fighting scared. This is a guy based on the commentary. The guy spends all of his time in the gym. He says he spends all of his time in the gym, and he fights like he spends all of his time in the gym. He's got good cardio. He's got, but there's no, there's no, um, there's no fire. I don't know if you've been in a situation to get tired of sexual activity, but there is a place that you can get to, not only just because all of your private parts are sore, uh, but were you just like, man, what I'd really like to do have a sandwich that's not a cool place to be now i talked to a friend of mine who had sex with over a hundred women during the course of three days you know i'm talking about mr marcus and i said well how was that man he says well i i in three days you know three like 12 hour days i blew my load 13 times i was a little tired after that i said how long it did take you to be interested uh in in sex again he was like a bit bro a bit you got to understand that what somebody's a writer for the new yorker said 
and I never forgot this, said that what they had, and I, I'm not out of line comparing porn at this point with MMA because that's a uh, comparison that Strickland made himself. And they said that uh, use of porn is one of the few areas in American life that's completely, that's irony free. And sometimes I think about porn in light of toothbrushing or other personal things that we typically do without much fanfare. But porn has been mythologized in a way that, say, teeth brushing hasn't. I'm sure there are fetishes out there. I met a woman on an airplane who's a collector. What does she collect? Toothbrushes. I like, this is pretty wacky. I think she's a, not a known artist at this point. Her first name is Marley. And then somebody said, oh, wow. I go, I mean, she's got like Jimi Hendrix's toothbrush. He, he, I go, what? He goes, she's got a DNA database to end all DNA. I was like, oh, I never thought about that. 23 and me, here I come. She does this as an art project, collects people's toothbrushes. Got Carlos Santana, different people. I, you know, I uh, look, look, look. Strickland trains apparently nine hours a day. Is what you got to do to be up on the game. He is no West Sims, uh, you know. But there is, there is a difference between him and West Sims. And the difference is Wes Sims, though losing the greater proportion of his fights, was an exciting fighter to watch win or lose. But I have never seen uh, a sh- exciting Sean, Sean Strickland fight, with the exception of like the Joker, when things don't go according to plan, when the cat who just died does a shoulder lock on him, or when he decides to stand in front of Alex Pereira. Those were exciting moments, but a five-round snoozer during which, for all intents and purposes, we could have been watching him spar. This is not. This is not something. This is. This is the worst kind of two-step. He was upset with the judging and trying to t- tie it into sucklet, and I'm fine with people doing that. But these are not the same thing. I don't. I didn't like how either one of them fought but I understood the safety and security of a cannoneer approach at number three over the safety and security of the young Turks approach, who is number seven and in the rankings, you know, you, you got to fight like you think you need to be there and like you really want to be there, but it won't make a difference because you'll say something in the press conference and people will love you. And that's fine. You're an, you're the kind of, if I like Mr. Strickland, I enjoy watching your press conferences and continue on as you are. Um, I don't expect I will ever see you make the belt sign. And that's fine. Because it means to me that you are aware you are not lost battalion. You're just an influencer fighter. By which I mean influencer fighter versus Patty Sucklet, who is an influencer fighter. Or, or Sean Sugar O'Malley, who is like influencer fighter. Sean Strickland is a influencer fighter. You see, it's the emphasis that I'm putting on the words that makes the difference. Now, now, I watch the entire card. I don't know why I do this. And as far as I could tell, based on the Twitter, the Twitter conversations, the only other people that were doing this were me, Steph, and Mr. Is who you see is not here now because I think it ruined him. They said there were like uh, 14 fights, eight went to a judge's decision. You know, a good fight, they say, uh, was uh, Dober and Bobby Green. I picked Bobby Green to win. Uh, I picked Bobby Green to win. Bobby Green did not win. Uh, um, He was tuning dude up. Let me get some of these fights in the card. And, you know, low hands, um, um, low hands were, uh, you know, something that's worked for him before, just got him caught. And they said, hey, we know, so we got him against Dober's people. said, we got him against the fence. We could get him, got him against the fence and got him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. These guys are Steve Buscemi's. Now I can see a whole movie built around Steve Buscemi. 
But generally, if Steve Buscemi's in the movie, you're like, ah, I like that guy. And it's a good movie. There you got your Drew Dober. You got your Bobby Green. There you are. And listen, let me tell you something. This is not a shameful place to be. Do you remember for a period of time that the winningest, not winningest in terms of winning fights, but winningest in terms of life and cash banked was Joe Lazan? Somebody like a like a Finley Beaton type character had done an accounting and figured out that Joe Lazan had made more money in MMA that from you know fight purses than anybody else. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah that Bobby Green would have done that. The talking doesn't stop. I mean, so Joe Lazan, it was like at one point somebody said, you know who the winningest act who the winningest actor is in Hollywood, by which we meant who's made the most amount of money in for a long time. It was Arnold. I'm like, what the, how the fuck did that happen? And when he passed it off, you don't know who he passed it off to. I know who he passed it off to Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson was on that Michael Caine tip. Yes. To everything. A commercial. Yes. I got that commercial. Yes. Yeah. The, the Marvel characters, Nick Fury. Yes. I'll die. Whatever. Yeah. I'll just stakes on the plane. Yeah. I'll do it. I, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do it all. Yes, 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 I'll do it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Sam Jackson. So, who, 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 no, whatever, I don't have to. We don't, we got one Vendetta show. If you didn't just tuned in, you missed the first Vendetta. So, uh, you know, um, so those guys are safe. They come in and out. I don't feel, I, um, I do feel like, I feel like that guy who had the drop who I met when he was towing one of my Chevys uh, who had to drop out of his second year of Princeton because his father uh, was a disgusting gambling degenerate, gambled away everything and the whole family lost everything. And he had to leave Princeton and needed a job where he could immediately make money. And somehow tow truck driving was it a very angry 23 year old Asian kid. That was a tragic, tragic fucking story. I felt bad for the guy. I felt bad for the guy. I didn't tell him that if a university wants you to go there, they'll figure out a way for you to go because that wasn't the whole problem. The whole problem was the father gambled away the house and his mother was looking at being homeless. He had to take care of his fucking family at 21 or wherever he was. I feel that way when I consider Bobby Green and Drew Dobra. Because while I have the love of the people and while I might get Joe Lazan status, you know what I'm saying? Um, you're still working for the worst pimp in town. You know, and uh, and I have to tell you, you know, we're there. By which I mean me and the other degenerates who are actually watching the fights. We're there. But the bald one maybe is, maybe isn't. Oh, man, it's like the Bugs Bunny thing where you're doing like, the flips on the stage and you did the thing and then you're jumping up and you then you do it, you, you go slide across the stage on one knee and you're like crickets. So Sean Strickland and Jared Kennedy, it wasn't great, but I understood it's a lack of greatness. I do not think that Cannoneer will ever, what Cannoneer is, I don't think Cannoneer believes that he's going to be making that belt sign. But I think sometimes what happens is the clouds part and things break your way and you end up with a Teixeira deal. I hold the, I got the belt and get my hands on it at least once. And that's a strong possibility. So, no, 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 it wasn't the frog. It was, it was the one where he was competing in the show with uh, uh, the performance-wise with a, uh, a Daffy Duck and then they're trying to one-up each other. And eventually Daffy Duck drinks a bunch of nitroglycerin and blows himself up and says, yeah, it's a great act, but I can only do it once. Da, 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 you know? Yeah, Cannoneer says he wants the belt. But I, you know, and I think, you know, Teixeira said the same thing. But I guess I don't think that they are, I don't think they're long-term is in terms of holding it. And I think they know that. They seem above all else to me to be realist. Could they could they own or possess the belt? Um, 
Yeah, the, who's the heavyweight champ? It is still it is still Francis, as far as I'm concerned, which is me qualified. No, it's still Francis. Is that my car? Motherfucker. You know what? I can't tell. I got insurance. So, um, you know, so, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't fault him. It's before Wednesday. I don't fault Kanye for saying it. I just, you know, the snoozy, festy thing that I had to sit through. I don't know, man. It just gave me a lot of time for internal reflection, and none of the reflection was good. I'm just kind of sitting there like, you know, there was always a possibility of something ha- exciting happen, but I'm playing with my kid and just got it in the background listening. I go, you know, what she's doing is much more exciting. And she's just doing some wild Watusi on the floor. You know, and then let's not even start with the the, the joyless, listless, you know, uh, the, the, the co-main. There's a certain, look, I, you know, I, I don't know, man. There's going to be, look, there, there could be a Dagestani run of the table, but there's a certain joylessness to these guys and how they perform. I mean, you keep in mind that uh, 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 Khabib, you know, at least he fought with, with a certain type of fury. And I remember when I was covering uh, MMA events in Russia, and the Ar- Armenian fighters would come in. They were they, like their heads were on fire. There was a certain thrill to that. But the rest of these cats, I don't, you know, there's just something, yeah, grim about their. And and I understand. Like somebody once said, you know, they, a lot of them have been doing it since they were five or six. It's not like they traded their personality for this. This is their personality. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so, you know, Costa Albazi, yeah, there was a knockout. Let me see the rest of the advice. Uh, Alex Casasasaris, uh, his brother, a friend of Knuckle Up. And I think I may have even had Casasasaris on Knuckle Up as well. Good guys. Nice jab to high kick. Uh, long limb guy like that probably pulls that off in practice quite a lot. Really, really kind of satisfying, except it was against Julia Arosa. So, I mean, Julian Arosa is not a bum, but he's 28 and 11. So, uh, you know, Drew Dober, Bobby Green. Okay, Brundage and Olajek. Polish Power, I think I may have chosen him. Don't remember. Brandon Royville was canceled, and so was uh, the Albert Durev. I mean, it wasn't Olajek wasn't out. But, I mean, this is a UFC Fight Night 216. And, uh, um, you know, um, uh, hold on. Mm. And, uh, this is, this is, uh, you, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I, and, um, I, and then, and then they're start, and then they're, and then they're, no, I think Jones and Ngannou thing is coming along. It's coming to pace. And I think uh, John Nash has now has a show called Not the Face. And he did some coverage that based on his reading of the contracts, that Ngannou is already out of contract as of not the end of December, but sometime in this past uh, week or the first week of December. So the reality of it is that um, – that we got nothing to worry about with that and on that guy. He's been free and they're still talking about negotiating the fight, but it doesn't matter whether it's Mick Maynard or Sean Shelby, also known as Keith or the bald one. Anything could happen when you're dealing with a crazy ex. And that's how all the UFC Oofsie fighters I've ever talked to describe dealing with, with the Oofsie in regards to fights and, and billing them. So there's no guarantee that our 2023 is going to be rescued by, by any such high profile fight. You know the guy who just knocked out uh, Tui Tuivasa. If you don't, if you're not excited about the prospect of seeing him go against, um, who was the other? Uh, uh, like a yeah, uh, Rosenstroik. There are a couple of fights, big boy, big boy fights. There's a, a little bit of juice left, but every fucking weekend for 2023, only the most hardcore degenerate drug addict is going to be there. You know, by a drug, I mean MMA is a drug. And that may or may not include me. I am locked in. I am locked into this world until what? Well, it looks like the date to 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 parallel 
the release of Oxbow's Love's Holiday. It looks like the re release date for the memoir is unless they get, uh, unless they probably reach a total number of pre-orders that makes them want to fucking pull a trigger on, is now been pushed back to August. So I'm on this ride. Uh, no, Oofsie is a crazy ex, according to uh, yeah, according to people. Like so I'm on this ride, you know, at least until until I cross paths with the um, with the release of the memoir, and of course there'll be a memoir tour, a book tour. So at least I'm stuck with MMA with Showstopper MMA MM, uh, Oofsie through 2023. Things could change. Everything could change. So, uh, you know, no veiled threats. The thing that I made, uh, the, 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 the veiled dark threat that I made, not threat, but mentioned that I made last week or the week before was professional. Um, just giving you a sense of, you know, things, but I won't go into detail. Oops. Like for years, I didn't go into detail about the Aussie things. I, I, I'm holding my counsel. I could be talking about anything. Who knows? You don't, neither do I. But this fight was, it was, um, you ever uh, you, you should read about um you should read about um what was it what uh, what was um uh, oh my take on fentanyl which i wrote about for ozzy and that was last night that was last night it everything everything that i wrote about fentanyl was exactly how i felt after last night Exactly. Not not very good. Sort of no, seasick and nauseous, and very much desirous of not having that experience again. All fights are not created equal. All fights are definitely not created equal. Why the fuck? Come on, bro. I felt like in a personal affront. It it was a moment of clarity where I'm sitting there and it was like, look, I had a friend. And he was uh, one of the many sex addicts who I've known. And he he uh, went to this woman's house and had he sent me a photograph. It's like if I send you a photograph, he sent me a photograph of this woman. He didn't tell me what was going on, but I just thought it was send Eugene a picture of an ugly woman day. And I just like, you know, like something curious he found on the internet, something stupid you might send your friends. It's like, look, uh, somebody who's funny looking. And he's like, bro, I'm at her house now. Let's go. Well, sorry, sorry. She's fine. She's fine. What do you mean she's fine? Okay, all right. So he has sex with her, naturally. He says, oh, she says, uh oh, I have some towels for you, and uh, you know you can wash up because it wasn't supposed to be when I see the semen I'm leaving. It was supposed to be an evening of love, and now he's panicked and fleeing. He starts to go down to his car, and at first he's like, "I'm gonna have a smoke." And he sees ashtrays around her place. He goes, ah, that's not going to work. He goes, oh, le great. Let me go get my gym bag. I got my tooth. I got toothbrushes there. No, I got, let me get my, I want to get my stuff. He goes down to the car. She's watching from the window. He says, fuck it. Jumps in his Cooper, pulls off. But he calls me crying for two reasons. Not because he wasn't willing to shoulder his burden without complaint but because he was lost <laughs> and he was definitely afraid that she was going to come down, jump in her car and enter, you know, it, he was like, how do I get out of here? I go, what was her address? Give me the address. I'll, t I'll get you to the freeway. And as I'm looking up the, the, the how, which streets he needs to turn down, he's crying. He's like, why, why do I do it? I go, you gotta stop this, man. He's like, no, no, I, I, why, why? Sound like Tanya Harding, or no, Nancy Kerrigan after she got that lay. Why? It would be nice to say that after that occasion, he stopped, but you and I both know he didn't. You and I both know in the history of his experience as well that night would maybe stand as a high point.
In other words, things got worse. We need to prepare ourselves for that eventuality. There are lots of fights that we want to see. Jamal Hill, Teixeira, fighters that we want to see. Nganu, Johnny Boney Joni. There are a lot of fights that will happen. But I don't know if you know what I know. If you're watching the fights, it's sometimes not even the, the notes. It's the sounds between the notes to use a jazz kind of thing. Sounds between the notes. And that sound is PSL, baby. Between PSL and PBR, you you don't you you need to understand why I'm so razzarez about this, to borrow uh, the glossary glossary of uh, Clockwork Orange, and it's because they believe the growth deltas are more significant for PBR than they are and the PSL Professional Slap League than they are for MMA. And I, and I tell you why that bothers me so much. Right now, half the world, or giant portions of the world, is completely captivated by this, this thing called the World Cup. Okay. It's fine. I don't begrudge them that. But I am not convinced that professional bull riding and the professional slap league are World Cup-like. If I say... Oh, bestseller list. I don't know. Pick a book on the bestseller list. Uh, David Sedaris. I say, yeah, my fight book did David Sedaris like numbers. Yeah, yeah, you know what? It didn't. No, no, it definitely did. Oh, you know what? You know what? Eugene Robinson is a David Sedaris of the future. I got into a big argument with a guy at jiu-jitsu about authenticity versus inauthenticity. He goes, why does it matter to you? Why does it matter to you that they're pushing so hard in PSL and PBR? Who do you care how many people are? How does it, how does it justify you? How does it threaten your enjoyment of MMA? The more people can, can produce shit stakes, and the more shit stakes they sell, the more likely they are to want to create more shit stakes. Do you understand? <laughs> yeah, exactly. JB's got it right. I, I I don't want any more shit stakes. I don't want to see a shit stake. I don't want to smell a shit stake. I sure as hell don't want to eat a shit stake. I don't want to be in a shit stake restaurant. I don't want to be in a shit stake supermarket. I don't want to be, I, in fact, the the happier I if you look at in my mind happy people there is an amazing dearth of shit stakes in their life I want fewer shit stakes I do not want more shit, shit stakes you can't slap your way out of that you can't fight your way out of that you can't you can't uh, waylay some guy at the performance institute you can't and that's what I'm talking about with the whole in the substack you can't bully your way to alter reality to fit your liking because it doesn't change anything there's no reality to it. But you still doctor these fucking realities so that I gotta listen to cats guys pushing each other at professional slap league. It's all well and good till the first guy there can't go up a flight of stairs like when I got my concussions and then my subsequent, you know, trundle down into deep depression because by a brain injury. You don't know what it's like to look at a staircase and not be able to put your foot on the stair that you always put your foot on to get from one place to another on a staircase. It's fucked up. I'm looking at that. I was like, it's a drama show. I get it. Of which they spend maybe how much, what portion of it slapping each other in the face. And then they have the slow motion take of brain damage, brain damage, brain damage. I'm not going to watch. Fuck you. And yet here I am, 2023. You almost killed me. You almost killed me. It's like buying bunk, whatever it is. You know, one of the things that the Hells Angels came out of the 60s with, rule clubhouse rules for continued healthy existence as a Hells Angel. And one of the things very specifically was no drug burns. No drug burns. How about that, Oofsie, as an official policy? How about no drug burns? 
How about now keeping it clean for me? Get rid of Doug Crosby, making the experience not a painful one for me in 2023. I know you might have the kind of contempt for me that Steve Jobs used to have after after I walked, went to Mac Life. What is that, a fanzine? I got you. You don't need us, and, and you think that we need you. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't want to have to eat shit steaks for 2023. Please help me. Got to go. Got to end the show. Start early because there's a bunch of stuff going on. Got to end it now. Um, uh, no care, don't care. So nothing on Monday, Tuesday night. If the shoes fit, though some members of the staff are trying to weasel out because of holiday shit. Fuck you. Show up. Do your job. Uh, otherwise, uh, Mr. Is got it right. Don't die. Don't die, Blondie. Don't die. And uh, and we'll see you next Sunday. Read the Substack. Make people read the Substack. Give it to people. You can you can subscribe. You can get people. Give it as a gift. You don't even have to pay to do that. Anyway, I will see you soon. The kid is now sleeping. I got to go help out. Uh, look what you made me do.